I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Hopefully you are like me and have had the last two weeks off and are now wanting to cry yourself to sleep because you have to go back to work for the first time in two weeks. Um, Hopefully you are able to listen to this on your first day back to work though and it's making you feel a little bit better. And to make it even better for you, I will introduce my wonderful and amazing co-host who makes most of this show. I mean, he, I would be nothing without him. So my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores, how you doing? Hello, Corey. That was a very nice intro. That was, that was adorable. I'm, I, I would say it's more of a 50-50 split, but I, but I appreciate you giving me the credit, um, and pumping my tires even more. That's always welcomed on this show. Because that's what we do. We pump up each other's tires to make everybody feel good in the Sporty Nation. But uh, I'm doing great, Corey, because, um, and unfortunately, it came at the behest of the Arizona Cardinals shitting the bed. But my Rams are back in the playoffs for the third time in four seasons under Sean McVay. So I am very excited about that. After a little wonkiness there against the Jets and the Seahawks and Jared Goff getting hurt and John Wolford playing in his first career NFL game on Sunday and and Cooper Cup being out with COVID, Michael Brockers being out with COVID, the backup running back for the Rams being hurt, like I'm happy. I'm in I'm doing I'm I feel like I'm very happy today. In all honesty, I mean, it, it is impressive in the fact that of how many people that they've had down and out and they're able to, you know, still perform the way they have. But I, I think you are dangerously close to not being able to wind territory. You know, it's it's kind of like once you get to a point where you're consistently making the playoffs, you can't whine as a fan because your team is consistently doing well. So like what like what do you mean like I can't like, go oh, I can't go oh woe is me everybody's hurt no, no 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 in the way of like you can't be like woe is me about your team not like necessarily doing the greatest because like there is so many of us that are in much worse situations um like the habitual Minnesota Vikings that will always be bad and then the Arizona Cardinals that will always be on the cusp of being good. I can kind of see that, but I would also have to disagree with you because back in the day, there was a decade-long stretch there where the Rams were basically unwatchable and went 10-plus years without making the playoffs. So in this four-year stretch under Sean McVay here, it's like risen the expectations of the team to where, especially after you make the Super Bowl and your second season as head coach, like there's just new expectations brought upon the team. So I now have high expectations of this Rams football team. 
And so when things go bad, I get pissed off. Even though we're still... They still won 10 games this year, which is wild. But it could have been more because they had some bad losses throughout the season. But but uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate you um, kind of giving my ego a check a little bit and reminding me that um, I'm not... I, I should just be happy that I'm in the playoffs and then if they lose the Seahawks, not whine about it because making the playoffs for three times out of four years when they hadn't made the playoffs previously since I believe 2003. So I'll take that. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just there, there becomes a point where a team becomes successful enough that it's a consistency of success and you can't, that's what I'm saying. You're not particularly there yet, but you're getting close to. You're like on the cusp of can't wine territory, and it's kind of like um like Patriots fans, you know, like for they were so good for so long during that stretch when when they'd whine about things. It's like you can't really whine about it if you know if you get to celebrate that much success. Yeah, the only difference is between like my situation and them is and the Eagles who aren't have had two bad seasons in a row after winning the Super Bowl is that they won championships. And it's a little bit different between teams that just make the playoffs and then winning championships. If you win a championship, then you shut the fuck up. You'll you'll be fine for the next 5 years cuz you want a title. Um I'm very bitter still about the Eagles, so I think they deserve what is coming to them. Yeah, I could I don't really care about the Eagles either. I have Sunday night football on here on the background. They're losing right now to the Washington team. So Yeah. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, um obviously I, I am a I am a Cardinals fan because I was born and raised here, but um before we had a team here, my dad was born in Minnesota, so um, I was born a Minnesota Vikings fan and um, and a Cardinals fan. And but I always kind of um, have had a really deep love for my Vikings, and they had gone to the playoffs and were playing against the Eagles um, when they went there. Um, many Vikings fans, including. Um, uh, family members of the players themselves were getting attacked, like full blown, like shit thrown at them throughout the entire game. And like, yes, like some of it happens, but this was like actual, like newsworthy type stuff with how much they were getting berated by Eagles fans. The Vikings lost in that game, and then the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And the Super Bowl that year happened to be in Minneapolis, so they disrespected. Vikings fans, and then one in their own house. So I am still bitter, and um, I don't know when I won't be bitter. Um, you might have to check on me in another, like, five years. Um, but for right now, I'm still bitter and believe that they have what's going, what's coming to them. I mean, even a friend of ours um, was trying to sing the Fly Eagles Fly thing to me after all of that. Um at Top Golf, and I threatened, and he's a very good friend of mine. I threatened to push him over the edge to where those nets that catch you in case you fall. I threatened to push him over because he was very drunk and very obnoxious, and I couldn't hear it anymore. 
I remember that. Yes, you were there. You you know exactly who I'm talking about. And he is a um, loved old producer of the show. And so I won't call him out by name. But um, I don't think I have ever been, and I don't think I will ever be as mad as I as mad as I was at him that that one night. That's true. I didn't blame you for being pissed off about that because the wound was still open. Oh, yeah. And he was like loud singing it in my face and doing the eagle fly arms and all that crap. So, yeah, I'm still very bitter. And um, we'll see how long it lasts. We'll see. <laughs> maybe for maybe for a couple more years. As long as Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, dear God. I... I don't know where that contract is, but someone needs to go and just burn it. Find it, douse it with gasoline, and burn it. Never who happened. You, yeah, who do you think hates their quarterback more? Um, Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins or the Rams and Jared Goff? Oh, I, I would have to say it's Kirk Cousins. Okay, so let me look it up here. I'm going to look up the difference. Kirk Cousins' contract runs through 2022. So he's still got two more years left on his deal. Um, $21 million next year, $35 million in 2022. So uh, let's see how much guaranteed he's got. $66 million guaranteed. So he's got a lot left. Now let's take a look at Jared Goff's contract, who I believe is still owed like $100 million, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, contract Jared Goff. Now, I for the longest time, I was a Jared Goff apologist, but I've kind of, oh my God, I've turned the corner. However, Jared Goff's contract, um, they still owe him a total Total guaranteed of $110 million over the course of his four-year extension. And he's going to be a... He's still tied to the team through 2024. And it's uh, really expensive, about $30-plus million a season. So, whew. You could... They could dish him. I feel like... He could be dished. I don't think Kirk Cousins could be sent anywhere else. It's his noodle of an arm is getting more al dente by the day. <laughs> it it's just it's getting worse as you go. You know, there's just lo- less and less glimmers of hope. It's it's very true. It's sad to say, but I really feel like. It's it's very like 30 70 30% of the time it's the ball goes where he wants it to go and he's he's right on target. And that 70% I'm not sure he even knows what's going on and that's what concerns me. <laughs> and yeah, I mean at least you got Delvin Cook. So any pretty much any quarterback in the NFL can just hand the ball to Dalvin Cook and let him do his thing. So which has been the Vikings' uh, mantra through the Peterson era, and and they never. That's a problem 
that's always been the problem with the Vikings is they, they run so much that every team's like, hey, if we stop the run, they don't have an offense. So we're okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they have Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. That's a nice little base there. They just get their – because their defense didn't play great this year, right? That was, like, their biggest – their offense seemed to be decent, but their defense wasn't the Mike Zimmer defense of, say, like, two years ago. Yeah, and that was one of the things. They were – they're normally – there were a couple of years in there where the defense would make more points than the offense would. And I'm, and I'm being blatantly honest. And for that reason, I used to tell people, um, depending on where you can grab them, if you can grab the Vikings defense and fantasy football, do it. They're worthwhile. Um, not this season. Right. <laughs> Just flat out what it what it was. I mean, your Rams, though, that would be a defense someone would want to pull up. Absolutely. Exactly. They were actually, they ended the season as the best defense in the league in terms of I believe, yards allowed per game. So, got that going for you. Before we move into hockey real quick, are, who are you going to bandwagon for the NFL playoffs? I don't know. I keep I keep throwing it around in my head and what I want to do. I mean, like, um, my dad texted me today and said that he was going to root for the Bucks because of Giselle. This is this is you got to trickle all the way down here, all the way down from Tom Brady to his wife Giselle. Um, he he always kind of makes like a that joke though, because she like went off on a receiver like years ago, um, saying that like Tom can't do everything himself and that like he needs support and shit like that. And I was like, damn, that is ballsy as fuck to be like the wife just like going off on one of the receivers. I'm not sure I would have um, chosen to do that. But, I mean, she is a boss bitch. She makes more money than he does and has her own fucking empire. So, <laughs> uh, who am I to talk? Um, but, so, I mean, I do like Tom Brady. So, some possibility. I, I haven't decided yet. I am, I am taking applications, though. So, if you guys have teams that you want to convince me to root for um let me know and i i will choose one maybe i'll choose it publicly on like twitter on our sporty twitter of who will be my official bandwagon i mean i'll i'll root for the rams because of richie um for those obvious reasons but outside of that i don't really know i mean there's obviously people that i will always root against like i'll root against the seahawks but you know right Right. So I wouldn't expect people to bandwagon the Rams. That's totally okay. We live in Arizona. People usually hate L.A. teams. L.A. teams have already won two fucking championships in the last three months. I get it. That's fine. However, there are some other teams that are pretty fun out there still that I would think people might want to root for. And number one, that list for me, like if it's not the Rams this year, I want it to be the Buffalo Bills because – Every time, I watch them, every time that I watch them play, yes, their fans do. Every time I watch them play, they're super fun to watch. Josh Allen, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. I love watching him play. The Bills have been a fan base that deserves a good thing to happen to them, for fuck's sakes, finally. They're playing the Colts in the wild card round on Saturday, and 
uh, that's my number one seed outside of LA, outside of the Rams, obviously. That's and then my and then my two seed after that would be the Cleveland Browns. For much of the same reason as the Bills and that their fan base has been shit on for so many fucking years, they actually deserve something good to happen to them. They're playing the Steelers in the first week of the playoffs. That's going to be probably the marquee matchup of the entire first round there, the wild card round outside of the Rams and Seahawks game, which I think is going to be really interesting. I want the Steelers to go down. I feel like their fans got too cocky in there. Yeah, they were 11-0 at one point, and then they shit the bed down the stretch. So... I, I, I think the Browns uh, might actually win that game in Pittsburgh with no fans. So, all right, Sporting Nation, there you go. That's our NFL talk for this week. Maybe we'll do some next week. Maybe not. Depends on how, depends on how the Rams do, honestly. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, after the game that we don't talk about happened, Richie had no comment. So mm-hmm. he may have no comment again. About mm-hmm. the game, of, again, of which we do not discuss. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's get into our Coyotes now, Corey. We have some news this week. It was media day on Sunday. We'll get into that. couple moves were made this week, too. And let's begin with the replacement, basically, for Derek Stepan that we talked about last week. The Coyotes, Bill Armstrong brought in a another veteran center to essentially replace Derek Sepp on the lineup, and that's Derek Broussard. What did you What did you think of the Derek Broussard move? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, considering the fact that it's it's a short term contract, it's just one year, one mil, and um, you know, which is is great because uh, yeah, I'm already forgetting. I think it was what six point five, right? Yes. Yeah. For yeah. for Stepan. Um, see, I've already moved on in my brain, but, um, but so, you know, it's, it's nice because he put up better numbers than Stepan did last season. He was, uh, 10, 22 and 32 in 66 games and Stepan was 10, 18 and 28, um, in 70 games last season. So he put up, um, better numbers than he did. He also, um, where, where was I going? It, it, it was also said that, um, he, from Armstrong himself, that Derek is an experienced and skilled forward who can play center or wing and contribute offensively. He is also very effective in the face-off circle. We look forward to having him in our lineup this season. Um, face-offs was one thing that the Coyotes were lacking in for a good portion of last season and um it's also nice the fact that he can play both center and wing and they can kind of move him that way because of depending on how they want to build out this lineup and the fact that he's 33 i might i know that might sound weird but you took a veteran out of this lineup and to replace him with another veteran i think is a um was a really big deal because of the fact that they need that type of leadership on this team and that type of um, seasoning, I guess you could say. And so I think it was it was a really smart move. I think a lot of people, as I've gotten in arguments with, and, and we may have to bring this up on here, I didn't have this in our rundown, but we had gotten into a fight with some other people on our network about where they thought the Coyotes would end up at the end of the season, and they wanted to, to fight with me until the death on it. 
And I think there's a lot of things that, that people are overlooking with Bill Armstrong is he's making a lot of really smart decisions in the fact that they aren't um, groundbreaking additions to this team, right? You know, they're not like big headliners that people would normally freak out about, but they are they are all like smart and pinpoint choices for this team, whether it was adding to the bottom six and making sure that um, they were a lot more, um, had a lot more brute to them and a lot more grit to them, or adding Broussard to the team, which is going to give them that ability to move him where they need to, give he's on a one-year contract, which I think a lot of times Bill Armstrong Bill Armstrong is just trying to get through this season until they can get some picks and and until they can really kind of like start making moves that they want to, you know, with everything with COVID it makes things even kind of more difficult. So I think he's trying to get through through this season a lot without this team taking a total dump. And so making these smart decisions like this where he can, um, you know, move the cap space quite a bit in this and then still be able to have talent to keep this team afloat I think is going to be where he is going to he's going to excel from um, his decisions that he's made this season I am so so sorry in the fact that I can't say my C's today I don't know why um, but the decisions that he's made um, I think are very much being underestimated and that a lot of people don't realize that the small adjustments he's making to this team will have bigger outcomes out on the ice. Yeah, and the thing that concerns me with the with this move is that they're going to want to play him in the top six. And I don't think Derek Broussard is a top six forward anymore in the league. He's on the back end of his career. He's been in the league a long, long time. He's, what, 30, 33. 30, 33 years old? And I don't know if he's going to be a really good fit. Because he's right now he's probably going to play with Keller and Kessel. And I don't know if he is going to be, that's like where he should play. Like, ideally, he's a bottom six player. But unfortunately for the Coyotes, that's kind of their biggest strength, really, is their bottom six. Because they're all jumbled mm-hmm. up and they all have... Like you mentioned, that's kind of where they put the focus on in this offseason is to really rebuild that bottom six in a way, bringing your Drake Kajulas, your Johan Larsons, your Tyler Pitlicks, etc. And so to have Derek Broussard play on that that top six is a little concerning for me. I like that they brought him in in a much cheaper deal, so they were able to kind of save that cap space from from that we talked about with that step-on move. And, you know, what I'm expecting from Derek Broussard this year is kind of what he did last year, too, which is, you know, you put up I – I, I'm really bad at math, so I can't really do the conversions here in terms of what it exactly it amounts to. But, he, like you said, you put up 32 points in 66 games last year. We're playing 56 this year. So, you, if you give me 25 points in 56 games from Derek Broussard, I think that's, that's an okay move. And, like you said, it's kind of that transition year for this team right now. And so I'm not expecting too much of them, but it was a nice signing by by Bill Armstrong. And again, like you mentioned in that quote you had, Corey, it's, it, it is continuing to reshape the identity of this roster, which is something that Bill Armstrong has stressed from the time 
he was hiring him from that very first press conference. That is something he hammered home is just trying to remake this roster and do a team that is going to be plays with a, an identity that is tough to play against for a full, full 60 minutes. That's going to get more play more of a heavy game and a heavy style, which they haven't really played under Rick Tockett for the most part. I think much to his dismay, I think he would like to have a heavier team on the ice and that's what really Bill Armstrong really set up this offseason. That's what he talked about at uh, Media Day on Sunday, which we'll get into in a little bit. But overall, yeah, it's, uh, it was an under-the-radar under move for a lot of people, but a nice move overall, I think, bringing in Derek Broussard. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to be. It's not that there that this team has really added anything significant, you could say, to this team, because they really haven't. Every single player that they've added to this team and and what they've shifted and moved around were all kind of insignificant changes but I think once you put all of them together it's really going to show on the ice and um you know and with like we were saying yes he he is a little bit on on the older side which is you know why he's only going to have this one year contract but um I I do think his his seasonedness I don't know how to say it like you know when you call someone years young and you're always like that always sounds like an insult like that's how I feel like there's no way to like say it without being insulting in the fact that he for for the NHL wise is is getting on the older side and but I mean from an experience point of view it's always nice just to have someone in there that actually has been around and I mean he's totaled 186 goals, 297 assists, 483 points, uh, 407 penalty minutes, and 852 career NHL games. And so it's like it's it's nice to have someone who's been in there for a while just because of of some of the younger talent the Coyotes have that can help. He can definitely help, and and one of them being Barrett Hayton. And depending on what they expect from him and what they are requiring out of him, I don't know if um, if in this they're they're trying to take a little bit of pressure off of him. It it it's really kind of interesting. I think that'll be an interesting storyline for us to see going forward. Exactly how he gets utilized on this team. Yeah, I, this is. I think that's a, a good question and something that is maybe one of my biggest questions about this training camp is where they slot him in because like we talked about he is going to be given the ro- a role this year he's going to be one of the four centers on this roster and I'm curious to see where they slot him and how they you know play him if they decide to play him in kind of protected minutes on the bottom six or if they want to go full force and and put him with more skilled players and and Keller and Kessel, because we know that Clayton Keller is more of a playmaker than he is a guy who's going to score a lot of goals. And I feel like Barrett Hayden's the same way. He's, he's more of a playmaker, more of a guy who is going to put himself in situations to set guys up for goals as opposed to scoring them. And so he's one of my most interesting players to watch in training camp. And then, of course, the regular season, and I'm glad they're finally. It looks like they're finally gonna let him have the reins because they've really protected him, really, haven't they? Over the last two seasons, as he's kind of progressed in his NHL career, he really hasn't played that much. And when he has, he 
really hasn't stuck out all that much outside of maybe one or two plays that you remember off the top of your head. Like, I remember his first game back in the NHL last season, uh, he was playing on a line with Phil Kessel and, and Clayton Keller, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and he he made a, a terrific pass that we were, they were like, oh, wow. But he didn't really do much of that, you know? Like, he's not a wow player yet. And granted, they drafted him to kind of be more of that 200-foot type of player. But um, I, I'm very curious to see how Rick Tockett kind of deploys him in the lineup this year. Yeah, it, they've been very protective with him. And during, you know, they the way that they tried to handle him was they were very worried about his confidence coming in. And if some people might be like, oh, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, if it's more of a big deal than you think in the fact that, like, look how how bad Clayton Keller has played ever since he has had confidence issues. That's been one of his issues um, as of recently. And, and so... I think a lot of people don't think about that, but throwing a kid straight into the NHL at a young age and trying to get them to play up to that level is difficult. Each level of hockey has a different speed to it, and you have to get used to that speed, that system. You're, you mentally have to think faster, and so you need to be able to um, get up to that speed, and that's why you know certain players like Austin Matthews went and played um, – professional uh, hockey in other countries in order to try to get up to that game speed faster because it, it is it is extremely difficult to you get so accustomed to the speed that you're playing at to play up it takes some time and and it can completely kill your confidence as a player in order to just be thrown into that and to be in a situation where you you come in and you know that you have the talent for it. They know you have the talent for it, but you just haven't gotten up to that speed yet and you haven't particularly learned their systems quite yet. That is where you're going to get yourself into issues and where a lot of teams have issues with newly drafted players and why you don't see a ton of them go. They always discuss about whether they're NHL ready and whether they're ready to go straight to NHL ice. And that's why they always kind of are very cautious about that. They have been extra, extra careful with Barrett Hayton. The way that they have handled him, they've brought him up, and they've had him sit up in the press box, and they've had him watching games, and they've had him really trying to take it all in. So that way when he is on the ice and he is a consistent player in this lineup, he is prepared, and he is he's going to come in confident and understanding the speed and the feel of being in the NHL. And that is one of the things that I think they did very well with him. I'm not sure you can necessarily uh, coddle every player like that, but they did a very good job in doing that for him. So I, I think they have set him up in all of the best ways for success. It's just whether um, we see that kind of success out of him. I think it's also really interesting that you pointed out um the whole playmaker ability of, of him and and, uh, and Keller and the fact that that's going to be a, a similar problem as we've seen in previous seasons and the fact that you have a lot more playmakers than you do finishers on this team. You know, there's just really a lot more people that would rather um, be setting um, setting people up to score goals as opposed to scoring the goals themselves. And that is where you come into a problem 
with scoring and why this team has a lot of um, scoring issues and which is will come full back back to full circle on what I have said um, since the beginning of us going into the season, basically saying that it's going to come down to defensively and goaltending wise, whether this team can keep themselves in these games by allowing a low amount of goals to be scored, because I don't imagine the Coyotes being able to score a lot of goals. I that's yeah, that's we talk that's gonna be the thing. That's gonna be the through line is can this team find a way to get all four lines to roll on a consistent basis? So if you're looking for one word to describe the Coyotes this year, it's consistency. They gotta find it. And to top off the conversation about Barrett Hayton before we we move on, you know what his development reminds me of? It reminds me of another player on the Coyotes roster right now, and I want to see if you agree with me. You don't have to, but I feel like their paths are very similar because in a way they kind of play similar games, kind of, a little bit. They remind me of each other a little bit, which is Christian Dvorak, right? Christian Dvorak now is going to be in his fifth season in the in the NHL, and he had some injury issues, obviously, early on. But I feel like that the tail end of last year, I feel like we finally started to see Christian Dvorak become the player we think he can become. He set a record in points and goals last season, and in the playoffs he had three points in nine games. Um and so I, 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 I wonder if that's kind of the course they're taking with Barrett Hayton. Is it just going to take time? And fans have to remember that sometimes and not expect just because he was drafted fifth overall that he's going to come in and be a Connor McDavid or, or name any top three draft pick over the last few seasons, right? It's just sometimes it takes players longer to develop. And Barrett Hayton's 20 years old, for goodness sake. So if he comes out this year and kind of takes the Clayton Keller path and he shows us some fancy, he shows up shows up sometimes and then shows up others, that's fine. But you just want to see him develop. Because, again, last year with the Coyotes, he had four points in 20 games. And there were so many times where we didn't even realize he was on the ice. So this year, if we just see him make an impact more often, but the results don't necessarily show up. That's okay with me, in my opinion. And he played over in the Finnish league in Liga earlier because they loaned him there uh, to start their season. He had four points in eight games for them. Uh, for for Levis, Levis in the Finnish league. Is, is that how you pronounce it? I, I don't know. I, how to I guess. Pronounce I don't know. anything that has to do with anything foreign. I've attempted on. Um, Kenny and Crash, and I still am not living down those recordings. So, uh, yeah, I would I would not even attempt it. But that uh, that sounds amazing to me. But um, but yeah, no, that's I think a lot of times um, fans in general just kind of want results out of the, these kids like right away. And you got to remember that they are kids. Like um, when when you're 18 years old and you are under that much pressure, that much scrutiny, it's a lot to handle. And to go into something like that and 
is not something that you know people do every day and it's not something that can easily be handled so I, that's why i always think it's really funny how people expect so much out of these kids at such a young age and like and yes hockey has always been their life and that's what they've dedicated everything to but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are able to perform at an nhl level that that it is the nhl for a reason it is on a level that is unlike anything else and that is why it's so hard to get there and it's so hard to stay there and i think a lot of people underestimate that and so in order to to logically take care of these kids and be able to make them into great players is you have to nurture them all the way through that and and know and know which are the rare few that can be thrown into the fire because it is very rare how many can be thrown into the fire. And yeah, it does. It takes time and it, it like anything else, you know, it's not like anyone, even in like normal jobs, they don't normally just go into a job and, you know, know what they're doing. It takes time for your, them to get there. And I think, um, I think it's still going to take some time with Barrett Hayton and that there's just like it's from a developmental standpoint and from a standpoint of of size he's also not the biggest kid around either so um he also has to try and develop physically as well so i think um we have to have expectations of him to be um decent but not phenomenal at least not quite yet we have some some late breaking news here to the show. And when I say oh, that, I'm being, I'm being facetious here because we already are getting some replies at Corey underscore Richie show about who you should bandwagon for the NFL playoffs. We oh, have God. uh dev Yote 97 says the Browns. We have uh, Sean who says the bills. And we also have the, um, not another Leafs pod part of the hockey podcast network. If I'm not mistaken, Yes. Um, they also said the Buffalo Bills. So two votes for the Bills. And I, I like I said, they were my number one seed, too, to root for, too, outside of the Rams, obviously. So everybody seems to be wanting you to pick the Bills right now. Well, if a team starts with a B, they want me to root for them. Yes. That's that's the leader in the clubhouse right now. All right. Uh, we got one more Coyote story before we get to random shit here. Uh, for your Monday here on the Hockey Podcast Network, Sporty with Corey and Richie, at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter, at Corey Richie Show on Instagram, at rflores91 for myself, and at Corey Nicole with two E's for Corey. You can tweet at her and let her know which team she should pick for the NFL playoffs. Quickly, one last thing. We have an update on the Coyotes lease agreement with Healy River Arena. Yes, so this actually threw me for a loop when I saw it. And and for those of you that know me, you know why it threw me for a loop. Um, the uh, So as of January 1st, the Coyotes annual lease um, with Glendale was set to renew um, and the team is negotiating for a longer-term arrangement with the company that manages Gila River Arena. And um, let me find this quote here. Um, 
Glendale City Manager Kevin Phelps in September wrote a letter to the NHL team and ASM Global, which manages the city-owned arena, and said the current year-to-year lease has been a strain on the city. The team and the management company he followed up in November seeking more commitment, a lease of at least 12 years, but more ideally 15 to 18 years. Um, Phelps told the Glendale City Council last month that the Coyote sent ASM a preliminary outline for a long-term agreement. Those talks are ongoing, city spokesman Sue Bredding said this week. And um, Rich Nairn, um, who is the head of PR at the Coyotes, had said, we have a great partnership with the city of Glendale and continue to work with them on this matter. We defer all further comments to the city. And um, this was out of an article from Joshua Bowling on um, the Arizona Republic. And it just, I don't know, I, <laughs> to, I can understand, like, I mean, it's, I don't know if stuff was with COVID and, you know, they're, they're, they're negotiating during COVID or, um, you know, if they really don't think a move is very viable or what, but the fact that both sides are negotiating for a long term, I, I just don't think I ever thought I would see this coming. Like, it just kind of throws me for a loop. Uh, yeah, a little bit, because I feel like we both know that the relationship with the city and the team is is pretty strained. So uh, call me skeptical that a long-term lease ever gets done between the team and the, and the city anytime soon. I think it's more likely that the Coyotes find a new rink elsewhere in the Valley, more so than they re-up for a longer term. Because if you're the Coyotes, like, and you're looking to possibly build another rink here in the city, why would you look at a long-term contract with the city of Glendale when they've already done that in the past, right? They already had a 15-year lease that the city flat-out broke and said, nope, we're done, we're opting out of this. And so if you're the team, we're like, we can't trust you. Like, why would we want to work out a contract with you if you if we know you're just going to want to bust it up when you feel like you don't like it anymore? And so call me very skeptical on this. Um, uh, Craig Morgan has actually was asked about this in one of his Q&As that he does. And, and he essentially kind of said that for now, the building of a new rink is kind of on the back burner at more or less at the moment because of COVID. And because we know how Alex Murillo and all of his assets have kind of taken a hit, obviously, because of COVID. So it's kind of been put on the back burner for the time being. But Again, that's my biggest takeaway from this is I'm just super skeptical about it. Yeah, and I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's been it's been very hard between the city and, and the team. And, you know, for the longest time, everyone had kind of given up on that arena. In, in general, everyone had kind of just been like, you know what, this is not the long-term arena. This is, this is only for right now. And so the fact that they're discussing long-term is just, it, it makes me wonder, like, what's changed, you know? Like, where where did we go from point A to point B? And, and like you said, will this actually go through? Will there actually be a long-term deal? And if there is a long-term deal, is it what's best for the team? 
Exactly. I mean, these are these negotiations, I'm sure, are just going to keep going and going and going, and we're going to hear more about it, obviously, in the very near future. Okay, are you ready for some random shit? I have some good ones this week. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited for this. I'm also very scared like I am every week. Um, although I will say, so we've gotten to see a lot more of our numbers from our um, our podcast now that um, the network has changed to a, a different um, posting platform. And first of all, shout out to Sporting Nation being the best because we are like always constantly on top for like downloads and stuff and you guys kill it. So we love you guys, and we would love to give you guys a little shout on that, like pump your guys' tires for being the best fucking supporters ever. So we love you guys. And two, um, when we did our podcast about um, the 18-inch, 18-foot python, that was probably one of our most listened-to podcasts, like, ever. So I, I... I have to say, people like your random shit, and the weirder random shit, I think maybe the better. Exactly, and I got some I got some good stories this week, and um, let's begin in uh, in the acting acting world. Are you familiar with an actress, and I feel like you are, by the name of Allison Brie? All right, let me look her up here. Maybe I will know. Once I see her face, possibly she's very pretty. Oh, she in she's in Glow, Community, Mad Men, Bojack Horseman, um, Horse Girl, Get Hard. Whatever. There has to be something I've seen her in. Um, I did I did watch How to Be Single. I don't know if I remember that particularly though. Um, okay, yes. So, Allison Brie. So she was on a podcast recently and she told this story that I must relay to you. It's disgusting but hilarious. Okay, so she was on Mad Men from 2007 till 2015. She played Trudy Campbell on the show and she explained how in the first season of the of the AMC series she had to wear a girdle. However, she also wore panties underneath the girdle. She explains that she didn't know that you weren't supposed to wear underwear under them because girdles are essentially considered underwear, obviously. Um, she said, I was trying to respect the wardrobe and that feels gross. Um, she said that uh, the old decades-old girdle felt like biker shorts that will go all the way up to your ribs but have a small, hole, a small hole in them for going potty. Now, I don't know this, obviously, so I, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm learning as I go here. She says that nature called just before she was about to film a scene, so she ran to the bathroom. She says, I tried to pull the hole open, but I didn't pull my underwear to the side, so I'm peeing and not hearing it hit the bowl, and I just feel warmth. It was full <laughs> pee. No. She, she said that she emptied about half her bladder before realizing that she was literally pissing herself. She said, I just dabbed it with a bunch of toilet paper because they were waiting on me. I'm not allowed to be that person here. I'm a recurring guest star, but I don't want to lose my job. So she explains that she went to do several takes of this, of the next scene, before 
the costume designer realized what was happening, she was able to get changed. That's disgusting. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, I, I in this process, learned that she's married to Dave Franco. So that's cool. Um, but, um, yeah, no, that's that's something else. I mean, there. I don't think there's anything... I'm, it's really sad and kind of unfortunate in the fact that she wanted to uh, keep the integrity of this costume by keeping like her underwear on so she tried very very hard that it actually seems like something that would happen to me where i try really really hard to do like the right thing and it ends up being worse than how it started that that's that that really really sucks i think i can't think of really anything that like women wear that's like similar to that i mean like um what what my boyfriend would like to call a a, a baby suit like the body suits that women wear but they have like little um uh what are those called little little snaps on the bottom so you could unsnap it and go to the bathroom mm-hmm. so um I, that's still easier than that situation i feel like that's a very unfortunate situation to be in to have to go to the bathroom because once you are in that thing i don't think you're coming out I don't know. I feel like I would have dehydrated myself <laughs> so I didn't have to deal with that situation. That's very sad. I'm glad someone noticed, though, and was able to allow her to change. Because could you imagine you're just wanting to keep your job and you're just trying not to cause a problem and you're like, I feel horrible. I don't like the situation I'm in. I'm very uncomfortable and I still have to act like whatever that scene was at the time. I hope the scene was a sad scene. So that way she could just feel terrible and um, be able to use it in her acting. <laughs> it doesn't say in the story, but you're you're right. Okay, so I got another one here for you. This is actually an update to a story I believe we brought you previously in the Sporty Nation on random shit. Now, do you remember the story about the bodybuilder who had married a sex doll? Ah, yes. Um, wasn't that, like, where Borat was from or something? Yes, you're correct. From Kazakhstan. Nailed it, you actually. Mm, Point for me. (laughs) Now, this story is prior to Christmas, so it's probably changed since then, but I still wanted to bring it to you. It's hilarious. A a bodybuilder who wed his sex doll has revealed that she tragically had been broken just prior to Christmas. He says it has ruined their plans for their first Christmas together as a married couple. And the man now faces a tense wait to see if all of her bits can be repaired back to good working order in time for the festive day. Oh my god, this is terrible. He said her safe return would be a gift for both of them. Uh, They, of course, had previously gotten married at a ceremony attended by dozens of guests back in November. Story we first brought you here on the Sporty Nation. Remember, they first met at a nightclub, and uh, they originally were supposed to get wed in March of this year, but it had since gotten pushed back. So, um, as far as I know, uh, I don't have an update to this story, so I don't know if he ever actually got her fixed in time. Right, so, um, I don't want to know how she was broken, first of all. Neither do I. I really, really don't. Um, but I can only imagine, and I, I really think after that point, do you really want her to be fixed? 
is is that you know what you would really want in that situation maybe this is and, and it's funny because i i feel like i was and the funny part is i was kind of thinking about this story last night um it's not as weird as it seems i was watching an episode of family guy and um and chris made a um a doll and named her heather and he was like dating her like he was taking her on actual dates and stuff like this and i was in at a certain point lois like stabs it and buries it and um and that was kind of like how they got him to move on from this doll right and then i was like thinking to myself like someone should just take that doll and and try and get him to like learn how to live without it and maybe he can live like a normal life possibly probably not but maybe that would be like the rational thing to do so maybe this is what's best for him you know like maybe this is actually a good like therapeutic thing for him maybe also uh i Christmas in Kazakhstan, according to the story, is not December 25th. It's January 7th. So oh, so he, he still, still has, has time. He still has time. And then maybe after January 7th, we'll be able to update you on this story and figure out if he, it, what, the, what the end game was. But I don't understand. So is he, like, going to buy her Christmas presents? And then they're supposed to, like, sit and... He opens her presents because she can't open them because she's an inanimate object. You know, that's a great question. Um, according to this, he said that he might stay at home with Margot and order steaks and sushi or have some fun with friends. Have <laughs> some fun with friends. Oh, okay. Um, and also, when he orders steak and sushi, does he order steak and sushi for two? And does he just eat both of them? You know, I I don't even want to think about it. I I should never have brought this story up on the show. <laughs> Wait until he discovers that we're talking about him, mm-hmm. and then and then he fi- then we find out he wants to be on our podcast. Then we can ask uh, him all these questions. Yeah, we can ask him everything about Borat. Well, I wonder if they they really don't particularly like it there. I could see it. I mean. There's, there's been a few things that Americans have put out that other countries don't like. Like, uh, the interview was not very well liked by North Korea. It's a very funny movie, but North Korea didn't like it very much. Right, right. I think it's, I thought that was, that movie was great too, by the way. Um, all right, well, uh, that, I think that's going to do it here because we're running long. Shocker. <laughs> We talked about we talked too much NFL on this show, but that's perfectly fine because the Rams are in the playoffs. That's all Richie needs. Makes him happy and fuzzy and warm on the inside. And you know what? In the end, if the Cardinals had to lose today, I thought to myself, at least we will have a happy Richie on the podcast. Yep, I hope that came through. I'm very very happy today. Very happy, Richie. Okay, uh, we will be back with you on Thursday, Sporty Nation. Back to our Thursday episodes after the holidays have now finished up. And we count down to the start of the regular season. 
If you're listening to us on Monday when this is released on the January 4th, that means we are 10 days away from the start of the Kyrie's regular season against the San Jose Sharks. Exciting times. We will talk to you again on Thursday. Sport Nation, any last words? Um, thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, we promise to be as entertaining this year as Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper were um, on New Year's Eve. That was hilarious. Good night and good hockey, everybody.